Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. My name is Stephanie Diaz, and in this podcast, I'll be following my curiosity when it comes to all things running. In this episode, I'm joined by runners and run coaches, Sabrina Emke and Katherine Wustenfeld to talk about our reactions to Eliza Fletcher's abduction, how her murder has impacted us, and the ways in which we are working on empowering ourselves and others. We are not experts. We are simply women who love this sport of running with all we've got, and we want everyone who wants to experience running to be able to do so. A trigger warning as we do talk about the culture of victim blaming. While we speak from our experiences as women and women on the run, we want to acknowledge that there are many identities that also struggle with feeling safe on the run. We hope this conversation is a start to many more conversations about making running feel safe and inclusive to all, regardless of how they identify. Enjoy our conversation and thanks for listening. All right. Welcome everyone to the Runners Roundtable podcast. I am joined by Sabrina and Catherine for this episode, and we are going to talk about women and running and safety and feeling empowered as runners in this post-Eliza Fletcher uh, life. So I wanted to start off both with, both of you have been on the podcast before, have had conversations with me before, but just in case someone is new to listening to this episode, if you both can introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about your connection to running, where you're at with running right now, and if there's anything we can all celebrate you when it comes to your running right now. So whoever wants to start, go ahead. Hi, my name is Catherine Lassenfeld. Um, I am a running coach for Team Sugar Runs. I've been coaching with them for the last almost three and a half years now. I have been a runner since... Uh, middle school or high school, so a really long time, 15 plus years or so. I am not currently training for anything in particular this season. I'm taking a season mostly to focus on enjoying the process and getting back to my love for the sport again. So I've been doing a lot of speed work and 5k type training, but not with like a really big goal race at the end of it. So just enjoying that right now before hopefully transitioning into some more structure in uh, the spring. That's a little bit more about me and my running. So I'll pass it off to Sabrina. All right. Thank you. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Sabrina Emke. Um, Full-time, I am a high school teacher, though this year I am taking a year off to explore some other opportunities, many within the running community. So I too am a certified running coach. Um, As an athlete, I run with Team Sugar Runs and my coach is Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Um, But I am exploring some other things within that myself too. Um, I started a run-walk club in Skokie which is just outside of Chicago called the Skokie Swifters. And that's been extremely successful. And I'm very humbled by that. And I'm also uh, exploring some opportunities working at Fleet Feet in Chicago. Um, Also doing some teaching on the side with psychology at a community college. Um, But I've been running for close to 20 years now. Next year, it'll be 20 years since my first marathon. And speaking of marathons, that's what I'm doing right now. I am 10 days out from the Chicago Marathon, 
which I'm very happy that training is over um, for the most part. I just want to get to that start line and enjoy it because it's been a long, hot summer here in Chicago and today felt super cold and super fast. So I'm ready to go. Thanks for having us, Stephanie. Of course. So I was drawn to both of you, as I've said, and I just, I praise both of you uh, for how outspoken you were after learning about Eliza Fletcher's murder. And for those of you who don't know, it was on September 2nd. She was abducted while on an early morning run and later was found to have been murdered by whoever caught her. And the first question I have for both of you is just what was your initial reaction or response to the news surrounding the story? Because I know for me, there was shock, there was anger, there was sadness, there was just a lot. And so I want to know what your initial reaction to it was. And then I'd like to go a little bit deeper into what we have all kind of seen the discourse, how it kind of evolved in the days following. So if either of you can share your initial reaction to finding out about what happened in Memphis and then everything that came after. Yeah, I, I can start if that's all right. Um, I, I think, so you said very specifically initially, and I, as I reflect back, I think one of the initial feelings that jumps out at me is frustration. Um, that might seem a little bit odd to say in the context of somebody, unfortunately, having passed away in this terrible, tragic manner. Um, and I would guess that a lot of people's initial reactions were things like sadness and anger. Um, but I say frustration because it's not the first time and it, whatever power you believe in, you know, God forbid that, you know, it, it could be the last, but it won't be most likely. Um, and I think that's, that's where the frustration comes from is that this is something that we can't just let go and ignore. And we do have to keep discussing. Um, there are many issues in this world that are very much like that, that we have to keep on them and we shouldn't really have to, but this one in particular, obviously being a woman runner myself, it hits so close to home and, you know, that's not something that we should have to worry about. Um, there's many other things that we could be worrying about and to have to think before you go out the door, am I safe enough? even in my own neighborhood, um, that, that is a frustrating thing for me. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there and, and Catherine, let you explain your thoughts too. A lot of what you're saying, I think, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, what came in the few days, pro like after, but initially was just pretty upset that it was happening again. We've seen stories of this happen over and over again over the last several years. And obviously it's been going on well before that. It's just, I think the power of social media, we get so much more information now and we know in real time when something like this happens. So I was, I was pretty upset and um, I'd say I was, I was scared to an extent, which we'll you know, talk about a little bit later too, um, but mostly just like really sad. Um, because usually when things like this happen, like you don't find the person 
alive usually. And so I was just really sad because I didn't expect anything good to come out of it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing. Like I said, I was initially, I was like, oh, again, like here's just another thing to make us be afraid of running and kind of depending on where you're running, it's like, oh, just another layer. And that question of what does it mean to be safe and what does it mean to walk out the door and kind of question where you're going, all of a sudden it got amplified. Cause I feel like maybe I, I'll speak for myself where, um, and I felt this too after Ahmaud Arbery's murder where I felt like I was in this bubble of running and then you find out what happened and all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, but am I really safe running in this neighborhood? Am I really safe being here? Am I really safe being by myself? Or even something as silly as like, am I safe doing a run walk? Because what if someone sees me walking and they think I'm I'm scoping something out? Like all of a sudden it started prompting these questions that I hadn't really thought about. And then I kind of just got used to All right, that those were my dogs. They wanted to also share a message with everyone. So sorry for that little bit of silence. They were like, hey, what's going on? Okay. Yeah. So if you didn't know I have dogs, I have two dogs. They are Schnauzer Poodle mixes and they are very yappy and they will listen to everything. So as I was saying before they made their presence known was that there was that initial shock and then a heightened awareness of, you know, when I ran. And then just kind of settling into the rhythm of running again. And then this happened and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Here we are again, this feeling of uncertainty. And, and I'm sure for both of you, right? Being in those in that position of weight, but I've been a runner who's ran that early at times. And I thought of that for myself. So it went from being really angry to being sad and I love that, Sabrina, your initial reaction was frustration because I got there afterwards. After I started seeing what people were saying, I got so frustrated. And then I also just got um, jealous. Jealous is probably the right word. I was jealous of all the men out there that could run and didn't have to take the same precautions as me. So can you tell me a little bit about what running looked like for both of you in the days following September 2nd? Yeah, so I I guess it's, it's almost been a month now. I actually live right next to a forest preserve. And so I used to mix it into all of my weekly runs, like sometimes run in the neighborhood, sometimes run the forest preserve. I've completely avoided that path for the last month now. Uh, the only time I go in there now is with my dog. And it's not that I've ever felt unsafe per se in my own forest preserve here. It's just you know, it, my thought was why, why take the risk? Like I have other options of where to run. So while yes, it's a beautiful place to run, especially when the leaves are changing now, was it, is it worth the risk? And I, I don't know, I'm sure I'll go back at some point, but that initially, you know, changing my routes, making sure I'm running in the middle of the day, which for me with my, the type of job I have, I have the flexibility to run in the middle of the day when it's bright. So that wasn't an issue. Um, taking out headphones, I think like I, I love to run with music. So I don't want that to completely like steal my joy. But for that first week or so after 
uh, yeah, no, no headphones in there. I want to be able to hear what's around me. I was very jumpy too. I, I remember um, a neighbor pushing like a garbage can down his driveway and I wasn't paying attention. All of a sudden he's there waving at me and I literally jumped back and I just was terrified. And I'm sure he had no idea why I was so jumpy, but I was on edge from this and that's, he, he meant no harm <laughs> in any way, but this is just the reality of as women runners right now that we're living in and having to deal with not, I, I don't want to call it PTSD because it didn't happen to me, but it, it, it sort of is that way though. It, it happened to someone like in our community and by extension, we feel that now in our runs. Yeah, I hear a lot of what Catherine is saying um, and definitely heard that among some of my uh, running friends to just the initial feeling of like, should I go? Like the question of not, sorry, let me rephrase that. It's more, it's more like, you know, sometimes when we are getting up to go for a run, like it's kind of hard to drag ourselves out there sometimes. Right. And so the question didn't become about that in those initial days after, um, Eliza's passing it, it became more like, should I even go? Um, and for me, I think I had a little bit of an opposite response to that. It was more, I kind of got a sense of defiance. Um, like mm -hmm. I'm going to go no matter what, like I, sh I shouldn't have to stay at home or I shouldn't have to feel fear. Although I definitely was a little bit more attentive and on edge. Um, for example, when I go running in the early morning hours, which is what Eliza was doing. And I often do that too. I'm often out the door before the sun has come up. Um, I usually take pepper spray with me and I've done that for a long time in, in the early morning hours when it's still dark out in the days right after. And even still now I take it with me all the time. And that is not a fear response so much as a, um, preparation response and a dealing with the reality that unfortunately exists for, for many women runners. Um, and I've lived in the town that I live in my entire life, basically, and in the specific neighborhood that I live in going on 10 years. And I've been a runner, you know, at least those last 10 years in this neighborhood. And I have never felt that sense of as much as I do now needing to feel a little bit more protection, but it, of a sense of preparedness. Um, and I think, I, I, I mean, we can probably get into this in a little bit later too, but I was thinking of some of the conversations that I had with some of my male runner friends after this. Um, and we can hold off on that till later, but that was, that was another thing that sort of made me step back and think too. Yeah. I love that that I, I just love the different reactions because I was like Catherine where I was like, I was pretty scared. And, um, I remember the run that I had on Tuesday morning and that was a run. And I was like, it's only four, like, I had to talk myself into it. I was like, it's four miles. Like you're okay. Like, you know, that's like, you know, you're going to be okay. And even then I'm running and 
to me, it was just a heightened awareness. Like I just, I'm already so aware. Like I don't run with headphones. I try to be really, really aware of my surroundings. And that run was particularly tough because I was so much more aware. Like if I ran past a car and the lights were on, I was trying to remember the driver's license plate. Like there's just so much that I'm like, I came home and I felt like, um, it just like I had survived something. And I was like, wait, this was just a run. Like I shouldn't, the the sense of relief of coming home. I, to me, there was a little bit of anger that that's what I felt. And it was during that run too, that whenever I saw a man running, like no pepper spray, no headlamp, their shirts off. I was just, I was like, I would look at them and I'm like, I just, I don't like you right now. I don't like you right now because you have this freedom to run and you're not even, maybe you are, but maybe you're not. And the fact that you have the ability to not think about the things that I'm thinking about, it's really frustrating. Um, so I hear you, Catherine, Sabrina, I'm trying to be like that. Like in the days afterwards, that's definitely where I got. I mean, I always ran with my pepper spray as well, but then I went and I bought the go guarded ring and I'm like, okay, how can I shift from, and you said it so beautifully from having that fear response to have a preparation response. Like how can I reframe this reaction in a way that is empowering for me? Because I want to keep running and I want to keep running outside. And I want to keep doing this sport and participating in the sport that I love, knowing that there are some dangers, but how can I be prepared? So I love that you talked about that of just turning this fear response into one of prepared and even just thinking of it, it's not just for protection, it's just preparedness. And I think that's like a big leap in terms of feeling empowered on the run again. So what were the conversations that you had with people afterwards? And what, so it's a two-parter question is what were some of the conversations you were having with people afterwards? And what was problematic about the greater dialogue that was happening afterwards? I know both of you, again, it's, <laughs> uh, watching both of you on social media, I was just like snapping my fingers, clapping at home. Cause I'm like, yes, why are, why, why is, and I'll, I'll start, right? Like, why are we focusing so much on her running at four 30 in the morning by herself? right? Like that was like a big thing. So I'm just curious in your communities and with the people that you talk to, what came up? Cause I'll tell you for me, my husband was worried about talking to me about it. Like he didn't know how to talk to me about it. And part of my thinking process was that's part of the problem though. You don't know how to talk to me and I'm your wife and you're a man, like what's going on there? What's going on that you can't talk to me and also just are men talking about this? So I'm curious within your respective communities, what have the conversations been like? And again, what was your response slash reaction to the greater dialogue that was out there post um, Eliza Fletcher's murder? So I'd like to answer those questions in an opposite way, um, just because I think sort of the general I don't, you don't want to say like societal response, but like the general, let's just say the Instagram response at least, or the Facebook response, the general social media response kind of leads into some of the conversations that I had with, um, just running friends in general, family in general, but also specifically with my male running friends. So 
I think on the general level of response, um, I'm going to use a word here that might be triggering for some people, um, but just dealing with um, like, like rape culture or like um, sexual assault culture, the, the idea about blaming the victim, right? And, and all of those questions like, well, why was she going out at, at that time? Why is she wearing a tank top? Why is she wearing tight shorts? Why is she running far from home? Why isn't she doing? And just all of those questions, but never asking about the attacker or about the perpetrator, right? What they're doing or what they're not doing, or why are we not teaching people to not attack other people? I mean, it seems so basic, um, but, but why are those the questions that come up first, right? So there's a lot more within that, I think, but that leads into some of the conversations I had specifically with some male running friends about their identification of not having to worry about those things. Um, and like you were specifically talking about Stephanie, it, they don't have to worry that they don't have pepper spray with them. And to be fair, if we want to talk about identities other than being a female runner, certainly I will admit that there are other identities that have to worry about those things too, right? First person to say that. However, if we're focusing on the impact of being a female runner, that's not something that men generally have to worry about. Um, and it made me feel very good that my male running friends were the ones to just admit that straight out. Uh, many of them made their own posts um, following the attack about this very specific thing. And it made me feel supported in a way that I knew that they were supportive, but on a larger scale, it made me feel very good that they recognize that this is such an issue that they don't necessarily have to think about. Interesting that your male friends, you felt so supported by them because my reaction was opposite and that I didn't see any men talking about it. And I think part of it is because they don't know how to approach the conversation. Um, and, and so I like, I, you know, I, I totally admit that. And I think that's part of it, but I think we need to work on that um, as a community, like a running community of they have just as much responsibility in this as we do. And so pe people like your friends, that's awesome that they're doing that. It's getting that conversation started and saying, you know, I see you and I support you. I don't understand what you're going through, but like, I'm going to speak out about it. Um, cause that's something I didn't see personally, um, in my circles. Um, and I mean, sometimes people re reached out via direct messenger or something, but all of the content created for the public seemed to be all from women and, um, from that perspective. Um, but I think to answer like any other question of other things that we did see, so beyond this, who was posting, it was like really upsetting that people were victim blaming and wanting to find nitpick every little thing, even in the midst of them trying to find her. Um, you know, it wasn't like, let's focus on this family and like what they're going through. It's, we're going to just blame her and like completely forget that this perpetrator is the one at fault here for being out just like looking for, for someone. Um, 
And, and that made me really mad because I have a lot of athletes that I work with who have to run really early, like their moms, or they work in hospitals and they have weird hours and maybe they run like late at night. And that's the only time that they can get out to run. And then seeing people saying, well, they should just run on treadmills. If you had to run on a treadmill all seven days a week, like, would you actually love running? Maybe, but like, probably not. <laughs> um, and so that just made me really upset that it's like, instead of fixing the root issue that it's like unsafe for women to go out and run, let's just take all the joy out of it and tell women they can't do X, Y, and Z. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm obviously like my voice is getting, you know, angry here because <laughs> I was very passionate about this and very upset about it. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just mad. Um, and other people and like my, like my mom told me that like, she was always worried, like when my sister and I go out for runs and like, that made me really sad because up until this point, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that she was scared that. I'm doing this six or seven days a week. And I had no idea that she's like living in fear for me and my sister. Um, and, and obviously we want to change that, but it, it was a sad, you know, coming out of things that people are saying and she meant it from a good place and, but she didn't, she wasn't blaming anyone, but just bringing up facts of how she feels as her daughters are runners. I just want to amplify something that Catherine just addressed too, with regards to the the treadmill, <laughs> like go run on a treadmill. Like that is the perfect example of we as women runners should have to fix something to accommodate men. And that I just, yeah, that's the perfect example of that. I, I think there's nothing else to say about that. It just, that is the epitome of like a patriarchal structure just coming out in a very, you know, particular area running the running community. But just by fact of saying that, that's, that's identifying that there's something that we should have to do as women to appease or accommodate males, mm -hmm. period. <laughs> yeah. I think it was interesting too, that even like women were fighting with each other over this. Mm -hmm. Like I had people comment on posts that I made, they're, they're women telling me that like, you can't be so naive, like, you like, yeah, that's great that like you're saying all this, but like it's it doesn't make it any more safe. And I'm like, yeah, but like the point, that's the whole point is that like we I get that like in this current state, it's maybe there are things that are making it not safe, but like why can't we focus on fixing these things? And I don't live in this rosy world where I think that there's no, no bad people ever. But there are things in dialogue that we can start having to change some of this culture, like even starting as basic as like, stop whistling at women who run. Like it starts like at that level because it only escalates from there. Because if you treat a woman like that when she's just out running and you think that that's socially acceptable, then you're, you, men kind of move up the ladder of like, okay, well, what else is socially acceptable? It's like, okay. And not every man is this way, but it just, it makes it more socially acceptable to treat women as inferior and for like, well, that they're only important for their bodies um, when we're accepting this kind of culture. So that made me pretty, pretty upset too, just the arguments that I was having with women. And honestly, I had to stop because like, I can't be a, like, I can't just argue with, I'm not going to change everyone's mind, um, but I can put out what I believe in and and, and try to start the conversation, 
but yeah, the attacks were were interesting from people that I thought were, you know, in my circle too of being female runners. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that because that was um something that I noticed too, where I'm like, here we are again with like the victim blaming, right? Like that's just so easy to blame her. And once again, I'm like, Catherine, I had a very similar reaction where I think I saw maybe one male post on social media, at least that came across my feed posting about like, uh, it was, must've been a reel or a video or something like that, where he was like, oh, I went out for a run and I didn't have to think about any of this. And I was like, oh, that's the only voice I've heard. Every other voice, at least, you know, I don't know, however the algorithm works, right? Like it was just female after female, after female, after female, after female. And even for me, I had to seek out conversations with men. (laughs) And it was just one of those things. And that was, that was kind of shocking for me too. Cause I'm like, wait, I have to seek out, like I have to be the one to initiate these conversations. And then I also have to be one of the, the people, or I have to be the one to be like, to challenge it, challenge. Why is that? And Sabrina, again, you put it so beautifully of like, why is it that I have to accommodate to men? And Again, you know, my husband, he had told me, oh, I'm afraid, I was afraid to talk to you about it. You know, I do get worried about you when you run. And on the one hand, I appreciate that he gets worried. On the other hand, again, it upsets me that he even has to worry, that that he's got to worry about it. And um, I remember having a, a discussion with someone else and the response was, oh yeah, but why, why was she out at 4.30? And I had to say, I've been the person who's been out at 4.30. There was definitely a period of time in my training where my long runs happened on Friday and I would start them at 4.30 in the morning. And I had to, I ran loops around my neighborhood, but it was still, I'm like, wait, I've been that person. And there are definitely days now where I am that person, even if it's, I'm starting to run at 5.30 or I'm starting to run at six. There was, I can't remember which one of you had shared it, but there was even this, this post that went up that was, oh, this person, you can't say it's the early morning run when this person was attacked in the afternoon, this person was attacked in the evening, this person was attacked at 11 something in the morning. And I think there was even a story recently, I believe it was maybe on Monday, there was a woman that was running in New York and it was 1125 in the morning when she was attacked. So it's like, make it make sense. Like if you're going to tell me don't run at that time, then tell me what time can I run at? So that was kind of upsetting where it was just, oh, you should change what you're doing to stay safe. And again, that question of, well, what are we talking about as a whole? Like who, who else is having these conversations? Because why, why is it that it's just us women having these conversations and it doesn't, not just us women, because Sabrina is telling us in her community, it's been a little bit different, but it's, where is this conversation rippling out so that more people are talking about it or more people are aware of it? Listen, I, it, it's okay. My, my, my pepper spray and the go guarded ring. It's fine. Like I wear them. It's not adding weight to me. It's not something that I'm aware of, but it's why do I have to keep adding to my body in order to be safe? when I go run. And that was just kind of my question. It's like, why, why do I need another thing? 
or even something as silly as a reflective vest. You know what my thoughts were in the days after is, oh, I should wear a reflective vest because it's safe, but I don't want to wear a reflective vest because I don't want people to see me if they intend to do harm, right? Like there's this, this tug within of, okay, how safe can I be and how protected can I be? But then how much more attention am I going to draw to myself that maybe I don't want? But it goes back to what you all were saying of why is it on us and why are we not talking about the people who do harm? Why are we not talking about, you know, and that's the greater discussion of what resources do we need as a country in order to address these things, whether it's mental health, whether it's um, in the aftermath of this, finding out that that perpetrator had done something to someone else a few years ago, right? Like where, where are the faults in the system that need to be addressed? Because what we're talking about within running is just, it's a piece, it's like a microcosm or, you know, it's like just a small piece of something that's reflective of, of a greater issue. So I hear what both of you are saying and it's still, it's so funny how it's like, it's been a month and yet the, the feelings are still there. Like that anger is such an easy thing to kind of tap into. Um, so my question is, how have you reframed that for yourselves or how have you connected to a sense of, I guess, empowerment and hope as a runner and as people who I consider leaders in this sport, how are you continuing the dialogue? That's a big one. <laughs> um, I think I, you know, it, when I went out, so I went out this morning and I left my house at um, like just before six, I think. Um, and you know, so the, the sun wasn't up yet. Um, and I did that purposefully, right? Like I wanted to, it's like three miles direct from my house down to, um, the lakefront. And so I did that purposely. Cause I like to go on a sunrise run once in a while. And to be honest, I don't think I was really thinking about it too much as I was leaving. I just sort of grabbed the pepper spray, put it in my pocket, got my little water bottle, got my goo and I was out the door. Um, but every so often as I was running and I had my headphones with me, I have aftershocks, so they're not in my ear, but I keep them off specifically until it's daylight, which I don't know if that's just a mental, you know, comfort for me, if, but certainly it keeps me paying attention more than when it's dark out than when it's not. Um, but I did, I did check in every once in a while with myself, maybe more than I would normally, um, just to make sure like, is my pepper spray easily accessible? And it wasn't when somebody drove by, it wasn't when, there was an occasional other runner or somebody out walking. It was purely just every so often, I just checked to make sure it was there. Um, and I think that's an unfortunate reality that I will just continue. And I guess to your larger question of like continuing the conversation, I think it's a matter of making sure that within our immediate running communities, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're addressing that and we're making it a point to say, this is what I'm doing to stay safe 
and to stay conscious, not because, and certainly that's an okay reason to be, to be in fear too. Right. But I'm not doing those things because I'm afraid all the time I'm doing them. Like I said before, to be prepared and certainly having that fear is natural within that, but I think it's having common sense also. We unfortunately live in a world that is not going to change tomorrow and men are not going to suddenly stop whistling at us as we're running. No matter what I'm wearing, I could be wearing 10 layers of winter clothing on a negative 20 degree day in Chicago and I would still get it, right? It has nothing to do with that. So it's it's more for me, a consciousness of you have to be reasonable. You have to be smart when you run. Um, and you can continue to have these conversations, which is very important, but it is also important that other people like men have those conversations also. Everything that you're saying, um, I think one thing that I've, so last year I took a self-defense class um, with my sister, uh, some, one of my mom's friends is like a black belt and was willing to teach us, which is awesome. So we did that. And that really, I, I told her after that, I was like, you gave me my power back because I feel like now I, I can fight back versus just like crumpling in that moment and not knowing what to do. Um, and so one of the things that I'm working on right now is um, putting together a free class for people in my area, uh, runners to come do that because that is I'm gonna like, come. and specifically females because I want yeah I want people to feel comfortable and I want you to gain that power back because that and it's something you have to keep practicing like I, I you can't do it like I I was thinking about it this recently obviously because this came up and um I saw a video online of someone showing like instead of when someone grabs you like pulling back like like slam their arms down because you use the force of gravity to your advantage. Like, okay, I completely forgot about that. Like, because I haven't been practicing it. And so, um, you know, that's one thing that I'm going to make like pretty standard. I think in my own routine is like every year refresh and just practice. Um, and hopefully I never have to use it. And hopefully it's just something that is <laughs> just there, but it makes me feel like I have control again, of the situation. Um, so that's one thing I, I would add to, to this is how to feel empowered, um, you know, maybe take a self-defense class and find one in your area and um, find someone who's willing to teach you. Catherine, I think we should partner together to have a Team Sugar Runs Skokie Swifter self-defense class. Yes. So <laughs> yes, um, I, I, I will reach out to you about it. Um, but yes, I'm, I, I have a space. I have the woman who taught us is willing to do it for free. So we're going to set it up for anyone who wants to come out in the Chicago area. Awesome. Yeah, Chicago area. Sorry, Stephanie, little, little collaboration <laughs> happening within collaboration yeah. here. <laughs> I love it. I'm all about collaborating. I'm like, yeah. yes, I'm like, I fly up for this. I don't think I mean I can't, but um I love that because that was going to be one of my questions was how do we empower women in particular? And thank you, Sabrina, for highlighting the there is there are a lot of other marginalized people that do not feel safe run. Our discussion is focusing on women as coming from our perspective as women, but we do acknowledge that there are definitely a lot of other people who don't feel safe running either. 
So thank you for highlighting that at the beginning or towards the beginning of this conversation. Um, but yeah, my question was going to be on how do we empower women? And it's funny that we're all kind of having this, this similar thought process where I was thinking, I'm like, how can I bring that to my community? And how can we, how can I, in, I always speak in we, because I'm so used to like mom brain, I'm speaking as in everybody, but like, how can I make that a free and accessible resource? Because I think that's part of it too. It's where something like self-defense and Catherine, you mentioned it and it's so true. Like that's a skill that you have to keep working on it. You, it's not a one and done thing. You actually have to keep working on it to keep those skills fresh. And that was something that I thought about. I'm like, oh, that would be great if we could have that here. Because I had read something recently that, you know, it talked about, you know, your pepper spray or different things where it's great if you have that, but if you don't know how to use them or if you choke in that moment, then is it really going to do what it needs to do? And that highlighted something for me that I was like, oh, so yes, I feel comfortable. Like carrying the pepper spray in my hand makes me feel comfortable. But in a time of if something were to happen, is my brain going to be able to keep up fast enough for me to do what I need to do in order to stay safe? And that's where these self-defense classes, it's, you know, it's that instinct. It's that instinct. And I think there's also... Sabrina, you had mentioned something about society and not changing. And this was one of the discussions I had with, with someone in terms of how difficult it is to trust our instincts when we're running or when we're out in the world in general, right? Like there, there are times where I've been on a run and I'm like, ah, something doesn't feel right. And in that moment, I have to decide, do I trust my instinct or do I or do I act brave and continue ahead, right? And I always trust my instincts, but I think that's part of it too, where when we're running or when just, again, in general, out in the world, are we trusting that instinct? Or are we thinking, no, I, I've got to be brave. I, I just need to keep on moving ahead and like not let these things get to me. So even in those moments, I don't know why I'm sharing that, but that's just like part of my thought process too, when I'm running of, Am I, am I being reasonable with what I'm feeling or am I overreacting? And I think that's where this, this spectrum of trusting my instinct and being brave kind of comes up for me. And beyond, I guess what I'm trying to ask now is beyond something like self-defense, how else do we empower women to run? Because I'm all about, I think running is just, it's hard and it's challenging, but I think it's just the most amazing sport on the planet. I really think it's just, it's, it gives so much. I'm constantly trying to get people to run. And if not running, then, okay, go watch people who run and that's going to inspire you to want to run. Like I'm so in love with this sport that my question is always, how do we make the sport more inclusive but now it's that layer of how are we making it more inclusive, but then how are we also helping people to feel safe and to be empowered? And I really just, I just love the idea of transitioning the language from instead of being safe, how are we helping people feel prepared for whatever they may encounter on their run? So as people who work with other runners, run clubs, 
how are we supposed to do that? Or how can we do that? Because if self-defense isn't something that's accessible to everyone, or, you know, even if you two get together and plan a self-defense class, maybe it's a month from now. How do we get that person to run tomorrow? How do we get that person to run next week? What is, what is that dialogue or conversation or what's the, what are the selling points so that people can feel comfortable going out on the run right now? Um, wasn't it the great Catherine Switzer who said, if you're losing faith in humanity, go watch a marathon. <laughs> I mean, you just use talking about, you know, just the act of watching it, you know, can really be inspiring, especially if you're watching a full marathon, just to see people, especially if you're at like mile 18 and you're watching those people. Um, one, one thing that immediately came to mind for me was, um, obviously the access of it is extremely important, but also making people feel that they are capable and, in creating the Skokie Swifters, one of the most important things for me was that the name was not Run Club, it was Run Walk Club. And that has been, I think, so helpful for so many of our members. So many of them have moved from being walkers into being runners. So many of them ran their first 5K this summer. And we still have a ton of walkers who are remaining walkers and everybody accepts everybody there. And so I say that to say that there are places where I think we can just make running more accessible. And then within that, that I think automatically provides the community that is necessary to feel safe. So we have our runners and our walkers who are active at the same time, twice a week at our, at our two club meetups that we have among all the other events and races that we do. And they know for sure that there's going to be at least one other person that is either running or walking at their pace. And that alone, I hope, I, I mean, at least for me, knowing that someone's at my pace makes me that much more excited to go out for a run. And if you can provide that kind of access, um, I think that alone gives that feeling of safety, knowing that they won't be alone out there. It's like a buddy system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I'm like, it's like a buddy system. And I think I agree with you on that. And that's why I always, I'm such a proponent of whenever I do anything, it's like, no, we have to have a walking group. Like there has to be a walking group. And that was, you don't know what doors you're opening up for someone by making that space available. And I saw that with one of my friends that she came out, her and I walked and like a week later, she went for her first run and she shared with me. She's like, I think I went running because of the walk. And I was like, that's exactly awesome. why I'm doing this. Or that's exactly why I always push. You've got to have that walk group because it's just like you said, it's, there's that accessibility, but I also really love that idea of how you connected the dots of make running more accessible. So then you can create the community to feel safe. And from there, a lot can bloom. Um, any thoughts, Catherine? 
You were one of the people who came to mind, Sabrina, just because of you formed this run club. Because I think running clubs, run walk clubs can have such a huge impact because it gets people to feel a sense of community if they're first starting out or even if they have been running for a while and maybe this kind of news shocked them and scared them. Being with a group, there's power in like being with a group too and feeling more comfortable. So I think if people are struggling, maybe seeking out running uh, clubs in your area might be an option uh, or connecting with other friends that you know in the area who run, uh, just reaching out to people. Um, and, and I think also the conversation of empowering people comes down to like making sure there's inclusivity of paces, which you talked about. And no one runner just because their pace is faster is any better of a runner than someone who whose pace might be like run walk and they're they're starting off or they just love run walk and that's what they want to stick with that's totally fine um and so i think continuing that type of conversation online um and i know when i talk to my athletes um i actually had a conversation with someone yesterday because i called I told her like, oh, when I work with my athletes and she stopped me and she's like, I just want to stop you right there because I'm not an athlete. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I think we can change that because I, I call everyone who I work with an athlete because you are participating in the sport. You're you're working on bettering yourself. Like there's an edge, <laughs> there's a, maybe there's a difference between an elite athlete and, you know, all of the rest of us who are recreational athletes, but we're still athletes. Um, and so just making sure the, the conversation around, you know, how, what we call ourselves, runners, athletes, whatever you want to call yourself, um, continuing to make sure people feel seen in that space. Um, and so it's great, you know, hearing about, you know, the work that you do in your group and other groups around the country too, trying to get people involved um, and, and in every aspect, whether that be, you know, a race or religion or gender, um, just making sure people feel seen and, and wanted to be included in their groups too. Yeah. And I think just to add to that, and thank you for all of that, Catherine, the three of us are all part of team sugar runs. And I think that's another great example of a community that it doesn't matter how quickly you think you're going to run a race or how easy you're going to take it or whatever it, you you belong there. And, you know, I know we talk about that, like the, well, and Stephanie, you had a whole entire podcast about this, the idea of belonging. And if you're, if you run, you're a runner. And, um, I, I, as my psychological brain is working here, um, as a psych teacher, I'm, I'm guessing that maybe there's some sort of correlation between, people who are being very critical of women runners and the times and the things that they wear and people who don't believe you're a runner unless you can run a sub 330 marathon. <laughs> I'm just going to guess that that's a correlation, but certainly that's not the only one. But I, my point is just that within the running community, there are of course going to be outliers that are going to continue to be critical and are going to continue to judge. Um, but the more that we can have groups like my Swifters and uh, Team Sugar Runs and just, and um, Stephanie, I'm blanking on your Miami 
female running group right now. What is the name of it again? I apologize. She runs this town. Thank she you runs remember. this town. We're still building it. But we're there. Um, <laughs> but I think the three of us all have genuine examples of what could be more and more within the running community to not only make us feel like we belong and to make us feel like we have community, but ultimately to make us feel like we're safe. As always, I love that connection between belonging, community, and safety, all layered with this idea of feeling seen. Uh, because that is that is a big, that's just such a big part of it of, do I feel like I belong in this space? Am I represented in this space? And I love the, always the suggestion. And I feel like Catherine, like this is, I feel like this has come up with all of us where it's like, oh, are you having trouble? Go seek out a group. Like go to your, go to a run club, go to, and I, and it's funny because I always say run club, but that comes out of laziness because I don't want to say like run, walk. And even then it's like, oh, but it's that little bit of languaging. Once we change that, taking the time to just say walk a second more can change a person's experience of their sense of belonging there. So our languaging is so important with all of this too. But again, it just, it, it always makes me laugh when it's, and I remember Deborah said the same thing where she's like, go watch, a, go volunteer at a race. Like that was her thing. Like, like go, like, don't just watch, but like volunteer at it. And I think this highlights how running is more than just running and feeling like a runner. And we've talked about this feeling like a runner is more than just you know, going out the door and, and, or on your treadmill or wherever it is and doing that physical act of running. So I appreciate you all sharing that. And I love that it, we're all in different places and yet kind of coming together with similar thoughts. So my final question for both of you is in general, how can we be better advocates for women in running? That's a big one. <laughs> um, well, like us as individuals or like every, like everyone, like men. I say us three right here, right now. Okay. Um, because it's, I feel like in the aftermath of Eliza Fletcher's death, I was like, society needs to change and all of this, and this is all messed up. And why aren't we having these conversations? And I feel like when I get caught up in that collective, I lose sight of the power that I do have. And it starts with me. It's, you know, or not so much that it starts with me, but that's where I start to feel a sense of control or that sense of empowerment of, wait, I can be the one that's starting to seek out these conversations. I can be the one that's bringing this stuff out. So the question is more us, because I really do believe that us having this conversation here, it's going to ripple to other places, right? Or even me having a conversation with someone who maybe they never thought to think about this or didn't think it was their place to have an opinion. I don't know. So my question is more to us. It's how are, you know, to us or right now to you, what are, how and what, where, however you want to answer that, just how can we be better advocates for women in running in all ways? 
Well, I think you kind of touched on it is that it starts with us. So just simply being out there running and having other people see you out there as a woman runner, uh, you're probably inspiring a lot more people than you realize. Uh, maybe they'll tell you, maybe they won't, but just seeing it, it goes back to like you, if you want to be something, you have to see it too. You have to see it being done and um, see people like you in that, that space. So by going simply going out and running as a female runner, you're giving that power back to other women to see, I can do this. I belong out here. She's doing it. I can do it too. Um, and, and making sure that you, your friends feel that same way too and encouraging them with whether that's their goals that they're chasing after and making sure that they feel appreciated and seen and uh, that their goals are just as important as your own, um, sharing that with them. Uh, I, I, but I would say like the, the being seen, and I think that's something we've talked about in a lot of different spaces lately um, with regards to running and inclusivity, but it does go down to that like basic of a level. If you see it happening, like you see someone who looks like you out there running, um, whether it's the body type that they have or the pace that they have or the type of clothes that they're wearing, like you will feel like you can be out there. So just my advice to women runners is just get out there and, and make yourself known and as much as you're comfortable with. Um, and, and people will, you'd be surprised how many people are finding inspiration from just seeing you get out on your daily routine and being consistent and, and getting out there. I agree with what Catherine said. And to add to it, I would say the, um, exploration or the sharing of feelings that you have regarding running, especially in the wake of Eliza's passing. Um, the fact that you both shared today that being fearful was one of your initial responses and mine was frustration that opens up a lot, I think, for, for a lot of runners and particularly women runners, just knowing that other people feel the same way that they do. And I think sometimes running can feel very lonely, especially if you don't have those communities or don't have your running buddy who you meet, you know, two or three times a week. And you might find yourself often wondering, well, I'm feeling very scared to go running right now. Am I the only one? And certainly I've been there. And I think just the, just the pure fact of hearing other people talk about it, um, gives power, <laughs> right? Putting, putting words have power and putting those words out there and recognizing that other people are feeling the same way that can be very motivating for someone. Um, and in a similar fashion, I think another very important way that we can be advocates for women runners is to encourage our male running friends to have those same conversations. I will certainly be sending this podcast to all of my male running friends um, after we're finished with it and encouraging them to share it with you know, their male running friends, um, just having that continual conversation about what women are actually feeling, um, allows them to feel a little bit more understanding. They may not fully understand, but they'll at least have an idea of 
what is really going on for many women when we go out the door. And that's incredibly important to, to continue this support for women runners in general. And even beyond that, I'm thinking my husband subscribes, hi husband, um, <laughs> to this podcast. And I'm thinking of even beyond that, right? Like encourage the, the male runners to listen, but then have them encourage their friends to listen, right? Because the three of us have husbands who don't run and yet running is such a big part of our lives. So they're indirectly a part of the running community too. So it's, and I mean, we touched upon it briefly earlier where it's like, this is just a big, this is part of a bigger issue. And it's just one issue that's tied to so many other issues. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, who else can listen to this and who else? And, you know, and I always tell people, it's like, oh, I, and even just hearing what you're saying, I'm, where every run feels like an act of courage. And for me, I am tired of feeling afraid. And that was kind of my sentiment. Immediately there was that fear. And then there was that anger. And even now, like I feel and it's always said with, with great intentions, but when someone tells me to be safe out there, that actually, like, it really bothers me um, because, and again, I know the intention is great that, and the, there, there is a good meaning behind it, but the impact of a statement like stay safe is that I feel the burden of being safe, right? I feel like I'm the one that has to be responsible for, for staying safe, for making it home alive or making it home untouched, right? So there's, there's just so much more to this conversation. And I think there's like, I, I counted maybe four things that were suggested, right? It's like the go out there and run. And now I'm like, oh, can I post a running post on social media so people can see that I'm still running? Because that was one of the things my response was I got off of Strava. And that was just my response, especially after I read some stories that I was like, you know what, again, it goes back to Sabrina or Catherine, what Catherine you had said, like, why take the risk? And for me, that's what Strava was. Strava was a risk that I was like, why am I taking that risk of maybe my route showing up or maybe people seeing that, that I run the same, why take that risk? So I got off there. And someone reached out to me and asked if I was scared to run. And I was like, oh, that question probably comes because I haven't been posting on social media about it because I haven't, my runs aren't on Strava. Like all of a sudden someone who was running, it doesn't seem like she is running. And it's like, wait, I was just, I wasn't. So even seeing that, like, that's something that I'm feeling inspired by of the, okay, wait, if I want to be an advocate for women in running, I need to make sure that people know that I am still running, that I am out there, that I am still lacing up. And most of the time I'm doing it by myself, but sometimes I'm doing it with others. So I love that there's this go out there and be seen. And I think part of that being seen is also be like, be willing to share about that. So not just share your feelings, but share that, yeah, I am still out here and I am still doing this in spite or despite the fear uplifting friends. Catherine, I love that because I'm like, wait, that's what I love to do. I love to cheer people on and be like, yes, you got this. Like, go for it. Like, and I think we do need that. I think 
we need to be cheerleaders just as much as we are the person that's doing the running. And that is how the community grows. When you know that they're, oh wait, that person over there is going to be in your corner. Absolutely. The sharing the feelings is huge. And I think that goes beyond just sharing the fear. It's sharing the joys too. And sharing how from this conversation, I'm like, oh, we've all overcome something. And there is, there is an element of overcoming, whether it's that frustration or whether it is that fear, it's overcoming that to continue to find joy in the process and to continue to find the desire to share something like running with others. And then again, encouraging everyone. I'm like, husband, you gotta listen. Cause that was one of my thoughts where it's like, are men talking about this? Even men who aren't runners, just are men having this discussion at all? Because it can't just be me screaming at the top of my lungs that this isn't fair because then the response is, well, life isn't fair. I understand life isn't fair, but if we're not talking about how unfair it is, then it's going to stay the same. And we're all supposed to just suck it up. So thank you. Do y'all have any final thoughts, any final tidbits to share? And from what you were talking about of um, sharing like your Strava runs, like just remembering that like even like on social media, it can be easy to get caught up in how many followers someone has or is this actually reaching anyone? And my thought on it like is always if I can just inspire one person, then I think the post did its job. So it doesn't matter if you feel like your reach is 100,000 people or two. Like it, it's still important to share your voice and someone out there is listening and is going to take what you're saying to heart. I'll echo that too, Catherine. I think it's um, huge credit should be given to you, Stephanie, for creating the spaces for discussing these topics within running. I mean, there's a lot of running podcasts out there, but um, the way that you provide that open space to do it um, is very important. And specifically the topics you've been discussing have been incredibly valuable, I think, to many of the people within each of our running communities. So please keep providing those spaces. Um, and, and that's just another piece of what Catherine just mentioned about your voice is important. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here. And thank you, truly. I feel like we've had some both in this podcast realm and on social media, some great conversations. And I just want to thank you both for always being so open to having these conversations with me. There are definitely, and I guess it's, I, I want to say that Catherine, what you said was really validating because I feel like, and Sabrina too, where it's like, oftentimes I feel like I'm having these conversations and I'm like, but does anybody care? Does anybody like want to hear about, does anybody want to hear? Three women talk about how they were fearful and frustrated and angry. And it's like, we want to hear that. Like for me, it's, it's also this reminder of, wait, but if I heard that you were frustrated, it, you just opened up a whole different world of experience for me that I didn't know existed, right? Because if I don't talk to anybody, I'm going to think everyone's just sad and afraid like I am. Mm -hmm. Talking to you, I'm like, oh, wait, she was frustrated and wait. There was an element of that for me too. And all of a sudden, this very lonely experience, it's not so lonely anymore. And 
talk about community and safety. All of a sudden now, here's, here's, a, here's another pocket of community that I have with the two of you where we can talk about these very difficult topics and find a sense of safety in that, at least a sense of safety in that there's another person here who wants to hear what I have to say and who is ready to receive it. Because that's also part of it of, of can I speak these words and have them be received in a compassionate way? So thank you too for being here and sharing all your thoughts. And I'm just so grateful to Team Sugar Runs for bringing us together. And I am, as always, excited to continue following you both, cheering you on in all that you do, and truly just just so incredibly grateful that both of you are such advocates for this sport and that neither of you really holds back with the injustices that you see. And as I always say, it's, we, can we can be a part of this running community and still want it to be better. Having these discussions doesn't mean that we don't want to be a part of it or that we think something's wrong. It's that, wait, we love this sport so much. We know that it can be better. And we know that our lives outside of the run have a great impact of us on the run and how we feel on the run impacts our outside lives. So truly just thank you for being here and for being open to having this discussion. And I hope that uh, those little advocate suggestions and facts that we all take that with us and let that inspire us through the weekend, through the week, through the month, through crossing that Chicago marathon finish line, through whatever it is that we're doing, because running is incredible. And the fact that running has the three of us, I'm just going to celebrate running for being able to pull us in. And I thank you both so much for being with me today and giving me some of your time. Thank you for including us. Thanks for having us, Stephanie. This was an incredibly moving and deeply healing conversation. Our responses and reactions to Eliza Fletcher's murder may have been different, but we are united in wanting running to be better for us all. It starts with me, it starts with you, and it starts with us having difficult conversations about things that may feel painful or awkward. Please keep talking and keep sharing. Feeling and being safe on the run is a process with no end but I hope this conversation validated a feeling you may have had or helped you view things differently. As always, please share any thoughts or reflections you may have on this topic. You can follow me on Instagram at the cookie runner, Sabrina on Instagram at run underscore teacher underscore sab and skokieswifters.run and Catherine on Instagram at kathrun26.2 and sugarruns.com. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.